there's things that you can't teach. And I find those things are more important in leadership. I would rather much hire someone that, you know, has grit, is a problem solver, will run through doors to solve problems for our customers, is a strong communicator, cares deeply about our customers. Those are things that you really can't teach people. NPS I Love You is a weekly customer success podcast for people who know that CS is about more than just churn and upsells. It's about people. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and my goal with this show is to give you powerful insights that'll improve your life and the lives of your customers. Hi, everybody. I'm joined today by the amazing Kate Walsh, who is VP of Customer Success and Support at Clavio, a leading marketing automation platform dedicated to accelerating revenue and customer connection for online businesses. Kate, thanks so much for joining me here today. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. How are things up in Rhode Island? Things in Rhode Island are good. It's a sunny day here, beautiful summer weather, so we can't complain. Amazing. Well, you've been up to some crazy stuff at Clavio. What is top of mind right now? You said we were focusing on some planning. Yeah, currently right now we're kicking off our 2022 uh, planning, which is great given that it's July, so we'll be prepared mm -hmm. by Q4. Uh, we're also really focused on Black Friday, Cyber Monday prep making mm -hmm. sure since we're primarily serving all e-commerce customers, making sure all of our customers are ready for the busiest time of year. Lots of exciting things happening. What does that look like on, on your side when you say Black Friday and Cyber Monday are the busiest of the year? Yeah. Is that like your, so your marketing automation, like what's your role for your customers on those, those crazy days? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, it's a huge te cross-functional team buildup. One is we want to make sure, you know, our platform's ready because we'll see lots of high traffic during that time period. And so lots of load testing preparation from the engineering team. And then on my team with customer success, the customer education team creates lots of content around preparation, campaigns to build, flows to set up, how to leverage SMS, which is you know a new product that we launched this year. Um, so our customers can now leverage that as another mechanism to communicate with customers during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. The CSM teams will be scheduling calls, uh, making sure you know we can pre-schedule campaigns and flows. So ensuring our customers are ready for that day uh, leading up to it, because we found the last couple of years, while Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the, those actual days, there's high volume, leading up to it is getting busier and busier with e-commerce. People are shopping earlier and earlier for the holidays, as mm. I'm sure a lot of us know when we go to the store and in July, we see Christmas trees they're starting to put up or Halloween right. decorations. So making sure we're ahead of that curve. That is, these are good notes for me. I'm like, okay, I should start my 2022 planning now as well. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I was going to do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of how you're doing that customer education, I'm interested in that because I know that you, you have some, you have different tiers of customers, right? You've got these sort of really low touch. I think you said support reps managing 150,000 end users. And then you would also have a mid-market segment. First question is, how are you sort of educating both of those segments? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So at Clavio, we have three primary segments in which our customers fall. So first is our mid-market enterprise. These are our largest customers, obviously. Then we have SMB and entrepreneur. And so mm. how we get those customers ready, we wanna make sure we're delivering the same level of service in different ways. Um, so given each of those segments, those customers have different expectations of how we interact with them. So on the mid-market side of the house, uh, some of our largest customers like Chubby's, et cetera, they have a named CSM. 
and we meet with them on a weekly, sometimes monthly, depending on their needs uh, basis to making sure that they're integrated properly. One is, you know, the larger the company, the larger the tech stack, making sure uh, Clevio is fitting into that tech stack the way it should. Mm -hmm. So we have a solutions architect that helps with them. And then they're really focused on uh, more proactive strategy and change management within the organization. So if our customers have a new product launching coming up, that's something that will help with. They're expecting you know, a huge amount of campaign sending, uh, flow sending, and also revenue coming in from that, making sure we're managing that properly, diving into their uh, analytics and making sure we're making recommendations on how to improve during that very busy and stressful time for the customers. Then with us, uh, SMB side of the house is I'm sure most customer success people serving SMB, one of the core challenges with SMB is, you know, you're generally wearing many different hats and you're really busy uh, in the SMB, especially in the entrepreneur space. And so having no time or it's too hard, we want to make sure that they're setting up the for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So they're really optimizing their potential revenue growth. Uh, at Clavio, we use an internal uh, term, Clavio attributed uh, revenue. And what that is, is essentially your ROI. So it's a, a metric that we really mm. align with the customer because, you know, our customers want more revenue. We want them to drive revenue and we want them to see that ROI using Clavio. So it's an internal metric that we leverage to make sure that our customers are seeing success. And it's, it's been extremely helpful in making that more visible to the customer success team. Uh, so we can continue to move that number forward. Can I jump in there? Because I'm, I'm yeah, really curious do. about that. Is that uh, something that is agreed to w with you and the customer? Like this is how we measure KAR, <laughs> you know, our, our KB, yeah. uh, uh, what was the uh, what was the metric? Clavio attributed value. Yeah. So attributed value, KAV. Yeah. Is that agreed to with the customer? And is it shared with the customer on like a regular basis so they know what value they're getting? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we, the short answer is yes. Uh, the long answer is we do quarterly business reviews with all of our customers. And so that looks really different depending on the bucket in which you fall in and the level of service that we're delivering on. And in those, we talk about these, these numbers, what is leading to those numbers, what campaign sends, what SMS sends, what flows they're sending. Uh, so we can optimize that number. But yeah, it's a shared metric and it's one that, you know, we really are focused on is, you know, driving that customer revenue. And is it generated automatically? Like, are you able to pull in certain analytics so you know, oh, this person clicked through this ad or this person clicked through this thing that was Clavio, so we count that as KAV? Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. I love yes. that. Yes, yeah. It'd be very, I think that's like sort of a dream thing for a lot of, I, th I mean, it's probably company specific, but that's definitely a dream state for a lot of CSMs because so much of the CSM struggle is communicating the value, um, putting a, a finite am revenue amount on the value, and then doing it in such a way where the customer doesn't argue with it or there's no confounding factors where they're saying, well, yeah, our revenue went up, but we also hired more, but we also put more money into this, but we also did this. So how do we know this was because of you? Um, yeah. So it seems like a really uh, a golden ticket or arrow or something like that to be able to to have that number. Agreed, agreed. It, it's and that's what allows. I never hear my CSMs on on calls having to prove the value of Clavio. That's never in question because that that number is right there in when they're logging in. It's really easy for them to understand the value that they're getting. I love that. I wonder mm -hmm. if there's a way for us to do uh, catalyst attributed 
uh, value. value. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I want to let's take a step back a little bit because you've had this really interesting career, especially in tech where people tend to move around quite a lot. Um, you were at HubSpot sort of right very early on and mm-hmm. stayed with them throughout this explosive growth, scaled the team to 400 people, built all these different programs. Jumping back to there, what was the what was the first sort of major project that you remember undertaking at HubSpot in those early days? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started at HubSpot, I was actually in sales and I had a career in sales prior to that. So just came over in sales and I was always so interested in how our customers were doing after because, you know, the product at HubSpot really spoke to me and it was exciting to see customers, these really small businesses succeeding. Mm -hmm. And so the VP of CS at the time was like, Kate, why, why don't you come on? If you're so interested in this, why don't you become um, come on side to the customer success side? And so I did. I hopped over mm-hmm. and it was really fun because the last couple of customers I sold, I actually onboarded myself from the customer nice. success side. So it was really interesting because I had empathy from both sides mm-hmm. because I know what expectations I set. And then they slightly changed when an onboarding <laughs> came. And I was like, wait right. a minute. I was also the sales I need rep, to complain. So. I think there should be clawbacks. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was really a great experience, quite honestly. And it built lots of empathy for both sides of the house. And I try mm-hmm. to carry that through to build that sales and CS alignment. So I started to onboard customers. And at the time, I was onboarding agencies, and we had start, started to talk about internally about building a um, agency or partner uh, community at HubSpot as a mechanism for growth. And Pete Caputa was leading those efforts on the sales side. And as I was onboarding these agencies, it was really interesting because what we wanted out of these agencies was very different than a customer. We wanted these agencies to act as an extension of HubSpot as a way to access new audiences, as a way to go international and help us really understand the markets that we wanted to enter. I built out the first ever partner onboarding mechanism. The purpose of that was really to one, help partners sell the way in which HubSpot did. So truly understand the product, truly understand our value that we could bring to clients. And then also service. We wanted to make sure they were almost an extension of the customer success team. And then they were delivering that top level service on behalf of HubSpot. And so that was the purpose of partner onboarding. And over the years that grew and grew because partners are such a great way, like I said, to access new audiences. We could go to market a lot faster, especially in the international Mm -hmm. space. And from a business perspective, it was like a way to um, create a competitive moat is what we would say, right? You get a larger share of the market faster. Were they exclusive to HubSpot? Like if you were a HubSpot partner, you couldn't be a competitor partner as well? They were not, no. So you could be a competitive partner as well. Uh, What we saw over time is most of the top reselling and servicing partners were exclusive to HubSpot because they saw such a great partnership there. Over time, I think, you know, the top partners became exclusive, but it wasn't a requirement to join the partner program. And at what point do you, would you recommend that companies start looking at developing their own partner programs? The earlier, the better. There's so much like goodness that comes from partner programs, especially centering around customers. Like a lot of companies are servicing the, the, the SMB space. Mm-hmm. And as we all struggle with on the CS side is these customers that don't have the time to become specialists, don't have the time to become experts in our software. 
partners are a really fast way to do that. So we saw and we see this at Clavio is when a partner is involved, we see higher KAV, we see higher net retention. Interesting. It makes our customers more successful. It helps us go to market faster. There's just so much goodness in investing in partners and partnerships. Nice. And this is my last question on this because I'm really curious and have thought about doing, doing something like that at Catalyst. Um, so I'm sure other folks in the, in the industry are thinking of doing the same thing as well. Uh, how did you evaluate sort of, especially at the start, who those partners were going to be? Was there certain criteria? How did you assess the quality? Yeah. Because your brand is going to be associated with this, these agencies. So yeah. you want to make sure that they're, that they're good. How did you think about doing that? That's a really good question. So at the beginning, we didn't, right? So we had no mechanism to hold partners accountable to delivering a certain level of service. And we didn't really know if they were going to be great at selling. And so over time, as your partner program evolves, you build in specific mechanisms. So right now at Clevio, for instance, we have a partner tier program and it's our first version of the partner tier program. Next year, what we want to do is add in things like health, partner health. So we have health checks of mm -hmm. all of our customers, essentially letting us know how healthy that customer is leveraging Clevio. KAV is a big piece of that is can we look at that by partner portfolio and give the partner access to that data? So then we can see what partners are the best at making customers mm. successful. Sales is really easy. It's like you can see what revenue the partners are bringing in. And right. then once you have these tiers, you have to make sure that there are benefits that are meaningful to partners and really understanding what that is. So one thing at Clavio we've heard from a lot of our top partners is they want specialized support. They want to have, you know, a, like specialized hotline where they can call and know that they're getting the best and fastest answers from the support team. So it's something that we want to work into the tiering system eventually. Awesome. That's really helpful. Then, so shortly after then, this might actually be related because a big part of bringing partners on is they need to understand your product inside out and backwards and upside yeah. down. So in order to do that, they need some sort of training, potentially certification. I know you went on to, to create an integration certification program at HubSpot. Was that tied to the partnerships at all? Was that an entirely different thing where you were like, done with the partners for now, I'm going to move on to, to this next thing that we need to do? Yeah, that was a good question. So. As you head up market and as you think about the types of services needed for upmarket customers, as we talked about a little bit earlier, is the, the larger tech stacks, the integrations become more complex. It's harder for them to do it themselves because they're relying on internal IT teams and you want to drive that time to value quickly. So one way in which we did this at HubSpot and we're currently doing this at Clavio is uh, we built out a certification that is very focused on integration. So there were specialized certifications. So we had integration partners that specialized in uh, more technical integrations, and we could pull them in in the onboarding process to get customers up and running a lot faster. So it became a, a great way to grow our service level and grow the types of customers we were able to service. Interesting. And and in order to create that, did you use... like? Did what what form did it take? Was there a LMS that you used and then programmed everything in? Was it all done initially with like slide decks and like yeah. was it you teaching people? Like what was that like building out? It was definitely not me teaching people, but um, so we had we have we have some internal. So at Clavio, we're thinking about doing this right now. So we have some internal, more technical people that are doing this type of work. So we partner with them to create and build into the LMS, and then we actually require proof of concept. 
So show us a time that you did this rather than mm -hmm. just taking a test and knowing or, or an exam or knowing how to do this to be certified. We require a proof of concept. Do you do something similar? Because I know some companies do that for onboarding as well and for implementations is they have sort of an LMS that follows people through and at different stages it'll check in and it'll give them a little quiz, make sure they're understanding what's going on. Is that something you do at Clavio? We currently don't do that. It's something that we are thinking through of how we can have. So our currently our onboarding process is fairly quickly at Clavio, 30 to 60 days. And so we don't have that right now, but as we begin to scale onboarding, it's something that we've thought about, yeah. Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, but is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalyst today. To learn more, visit Catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out Catalyst.io to learn more. So then by the time you, you left HubSpot, you know, it was this massive, you know, you'd built up this team, it was over 400 people, all of these different functions and different things going on. Um, what was the ultimate motivation that led to you moving, moving on from this place you'd spent? Was it 10, 11 years? 11 years. 11 yeah, years. I'm, so, I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to work there. I've learned so much, quite literally and figuratively grew up there. <laughs> um, so after 11 years, I was ready to build again. I That's what I really love doing. I love getting in early. I love building the processes, building out the teams, um, really setting the stage for the customer journey and how we're going to deliver on that optimal customer experience. And it seems like you've basically taken everything that you learned over 11 years, compressed it into the last, you know, recent time and just have scaled up things so quickly at Clavio. You said yeah. in the last year you went from, what was it, 60 to 120 on the, on the team? Um, so we have 257 right now. And where were you? Where were you a year ago? A year ago, that's a good question. We were probably yeah, like seventy-five ish. Okay, so e even more dramatic than, than yeah. my example. Yeah, we we've really scaled up the team. I think one of the big as as a company grows and is hyper growth, a lot of times CS can be an afterthought, and so. It was much more of a generalist model when I came in where everybody was wearing many hats and doing a little bit of everything. People were hopping in support queues, they were doing onboarding, they were doing some CSM. And so one of the first things we've done is went from more of a generalist to a specialist model where we now have an onboarding team, a CSM team, a success at scale team, customer education. We're building out, nice. an, we're at the point we have an operations team now, which is really exciting. Nice. A CS operations. A CS operations team. Nice. Uh, we're building out voice of the customer right now mm -hmm. as well. And and then finally, obviously, support, which is the foundation. Nice. And how are you leveraging? Because I know that when we've spoken in the past, you, you mentioned, well, you were saying at a certain point, you're told you can't hire anymore, but you still need to, you always need to do more with less. Do more and you're saying less. it's not about hiring more people. It's about building the processes to be able to allow you to do more with less. Yeah. So when you think about continuing to scale support, 
as Clavio grows, you know, on the people side, you mentioned, you know, hiring in Australia and sort of doing these other tactics to expand the breadth of the service. Mm -hmm. But how will you, how are you going to continue to sort of increase, decrease those ratios? Yeah. It's like when people say, can you turn up the AC? I'm like, do you mean down or colder or warmer? Yeah. Do you want it colder um, or warmer? Which yeah. way? Um, yeah. So good question. So Clevio being a product led company, we try to solve all of our problems with technology or product. So a great example is in support. So a support ticket, whether it's a support email ticket or support chat, it's really the outcome of a friction point. So a customer was trying to do something and couldn't do it. So they had to <laughs> chat or email in. So what we want to do is try to solve that upstream. And so we call that ticket deflection here at uh, Clavio. And so we actually have partnered with the product team and the product managers are measured on ticket deflection, which is huge. It means like we're really centering ourselves and walking the walk on our one of our mm -hmm. core values, which is customer first. And mm -hmm. so the PMs are incented to make sure customers aren't getting stuck within whatever product area they own. So they partner with support to drive down uh, tickets in their specific product area. Mm -hmm. In addition, we have our systems talking to each other. So we leverage product board as, our, as a way to manage product roadmap and product requests. And so we've in actually integrated our systems with product board, and then we work with product to prioritize those things. So with those two ways, we've actually deflected 15% of tickets in six months, and we're expecting another 10 to 15% in the next six months. So we've really solved that problem upstream, mm -hmm. and it'll decrease the number of tickets. So that'll increase our efficiency and then help us increase productivity too down the line. I love that. We were just, uh, I shared a post, well, a meme, uh, the other day on, on LinkedIn, um, where we were talking about incentive comp structures for CSMs and just, yeah. you know, incentives. And I love the idea of including ticket deflection as a KPI for product managers, because it's just the exact thing of this is what's important to the company. So we're going to put this in here. And now your incentives are aligned with what we need as, as a company. Is there any pushback on that? Or does it ever lead to uh, maybe releases taking longer because PMs are like, let me QA this like eight more times so I can actually achieve my, <laughs> my KPI? No, it doesn't. There was actually no pushback. I, I would say overall, Clavio is truly walks the walk with being product led and customer first. Uh, so there was absolutely no pushback from the product team, which was really exciting to see. And it has not slowed down. If anything, we've been able to go faster because we have such a fast feedback loop happening. Mm, interesting. Just yeah. Because it's something that's like ingrained in what people are doing constantly instead of a, a one off kind of thing. Exactly. You mentioned uh, customer journey maps before, mm -hmm. and I know that that's something you've talked a lot about in terms of how those can be used to drive cross-functional collaboration, get buy-in across the company. Can you give me an example of sort of how you do that at Clavio? Because generally when we think of customer journey maps, we think of it as sort of a CS thing. You're reviewing this process, you're doing, figuring out what resources are needed where and time to value, and it's sort of like that. Yeah. So how are you leveraging it cross-functionally? Yeah, that's a good question. So the first thing we did to kick this off was create cross-functional groups based off segments. So, you know, we have segment marketers, we have salespeople that focus in specific segments, we have CS people, support people, and we have uh, a manager voice of the customer who her responsibility is to create these customer journey maps. And so she created three different working groups. And within those working groups was the, the full gamut of cross-functional because mm -hmm. every person at the company owns a piece of the customer journey and is responsible for delivering on that customer journey. 
So, you know, marketing awareness and right now um, marketing is owning advocacy. So like they're really Mm. bookending, right? And then once they have awareness and they enter that sales process, sales owns that. So what is sales doing? And making sure it's a consistent experience across and then understanding where those friction points are. So as we talked about, you know, we're kicking off um, planning. The foundation of the planning is the customer journey map. So off of those customer journey maps, we just have a two pager of top uh, areas to address to improve friction points. And if we improve those friction points, it can either improve revenue or retention or NPS. So we have metrics that are founded on each of the key milestones within the customer journey. And that's really what the teams are leveraging to think through our 2022 planning. Nice. That's excellent. And do you do that? Do you do a review on sort of a regular basis or is it when you know you need something as a CS team, you sort of look at it through the lens of the customer journey map when you share it with engineering and you're saying, hey, like you guys are, you know, we're all trying to improve this metric. Here's where the journey map and here's where we need your help and where customers are getting stuck. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it. So we have, I I believe we're at, we're going to do quarterly cadence, a review mm-hmm. and account, it's an accountability mechanism as well, right? So even including CS, are we holding up our end of the bargain on improving mm-hmm the pieces that we own. And then during planning is like, what's going to require investment for improving that CX in the customer journey. Excellent. Got to start doing that more. Yeah. I love it. And even just as a, as a company activity and offsite, make sure everyone's on the, on the same page and is fully aware of, of everything on the marketing side. We've just, we were talking with sales about that yesterday, even just what does our pipeline currently look like in terms of speed and where people are getting stuck and where there's friction, where they want more education and information. So that's pre even customer, but we right. can use sort of a similar model to make sure that our marketing and sales processes are customer centric and reflect our values as a company. So I right. can probably steal some of that. Yeah. And consistent messaging too. consistent messaging, yes. consistent voice across no matter what teams they're working with. That is a hard thing to achieve, especially at uh, at scale. So yes. I can only imagine what that was like at HubSpot. Um, <laughs> but even at the size you're at Clavio, it's it's right. difficult and requires upkeep. Uh, the the last area uh, I wanted to focus on today, because we don't have too much more time, is uh, the people side, because yeah. you have so much experience building and scaling teams. And one of the biggest challenges I hear from CS leaders today is hiring people, finding people, evaluating people, you know, just finding the right people for the job. And I know you place a big emphasis on promoting internally and sort of hiring potential, not necessarily past experience. So I wanted to see if you have an example you might be able to share of of how you've done that either at HubSpot or at Clavio that people might be able to, that might trigger the, oh yeah, I can hire this person from here to do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when you're building out, especially leadership teams, having a good leadership team is so crucial. It's going to make or break your performance. It's going to make or break your team. You know, happy teams create happy customers and it starts at the top. And so when I was thinking about building out, you know, the director and senior leadership team on CS, you want a couple of different things. Yeah, experience is important. So you're going to want some people that have had experience or, as we say, have seen the movie before, have built out success teams. But Mm -hmm. then there's things that you can't teach. And I find those things are more important in leadership. I would rather much hire someone that, you know, has grit, is a problem solver, will run through doors to solve problems for our customers, is a strong communicator, cares deeply about our customers. Those are things that you really can't teach people. Mm 
-hmm. You can teach them customer operations. You can teach them how to run support. And so one example is um, about a year, year and a half ago, support was sort of in this state where you know, there wasn't a clear process, there wasn't a leader in support, and the team really wasn't feeling fulfilled. They felt like there wasn't much growth. Our ENPS was low employee NPS score. And mm -hmm. so I knew I needed a leader in there that cared deeply for the team, mm -hmm. could come in, listen to the team, understand the problems, and solve those problems. And I interviewed not exaggerating, 60 support to be P's directors. And I oh just, I was, I couldn't find the person. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, why, what am I doing? Why aren't I hiring looking internally? And so I ended up promoting, her name is Kate. I promoted Kate to director of support. Caitlin had no experience running support teams. Caitlin had no experience running large teams, but what Caitlin did have is this customer first gene. She is grit. I know I can say, Kate, we need to solve this problem. And she is gonna go, she's scrappy, she works hard and she's smart and she's gonna go solve that problem. And she's gonna mm -hmm. do it in a way that's customer first. She's gonna do it in a way that solves for her team. And so fast forward a year, uh, we've improved response times Mm -hmm. uh, we've improved the ENPS of the team. The team is very happy. They feel like they're growing. They feel like they're being fulfilled, getting the feedback they need to grow in their careers. And Caitlin's a shining star on the team. I, I think it, it pays to really think about as you're building out your team, not just look for experience, but look for those people that care deeply are smart problem solvers. It, it also, one of the most... Well, one, there's several important things, but one of them that stands out to me too is that that also sends a signal to the rest of the team and the rest of the company that you're not just always going to go with the outside hire. You are looking yeah. internally and you are willing to take chances on people. Were you at all worried that, you know, her yeah. not having that experience, you know, she'd crash and burn and, and it would be a huge disaster? Right. Yeah. I mean... I was never worried that it was going to crash and burn. I think, you know, doing this long enough, sometimes you have to go with your gut and you just know something mm -hmm. makes sense, obviously within reason, but. <laughs> yeah, but I always, I love that. I think it's difficult to do. Sometimes it's hard to tell what your gut is saying, but uh, yeah. I've always believed in that. I mean, I think it's something, it's your, your gut and your intuition have developed over however many tens of yeah. thousands of years to pick up signals that, your brain just can't pick up on or that you yeah. have been taught to think prioritize less. So when in doubt, going with your gut, even with hires, I think is always a, always a good choice. Or when, or when your gut says not to go with a hire, because someone could be great on paper, but exactly. your gut's just like, eh, I think this person might be a serial killer. Yeah, we try not to hire serial killers. Try not to. Yeah. Well, I mean, we need, you know, equal representation <laughs> across the... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, Kate sounds fantastic. I'm, ex I'm very happy to hear that she... Uh, has done so well with the role and continues to to do so well. Yes, yes, definitely. Amazing. Well, we we covered a lot today. Thank you so much, Kate, for for sharing all this fantastic advice and sharing your experience with us on on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. It's great for my self-esteem. Thanks for joining us. And if you'd like to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. P.S. I love you. <laughs>